Right, so today uh, we're, gonna, we're continuing in the series on Prepare Yourself, as if you all didn't know. And last week we finished up um, fellowship. Well, we, it's not finished, it's not exhausted, we just finished it. That was part five. So today we're going to, um, and last week we talked about what true fellowship is, and the word is koinonia, which is done by faith and motivated by love. Love for the Father and for the Son and love for the brethren, love for one another. We seek to do the will of Jesus by knowing our function in the body and gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit so that we can benefit His body, the whole. Remember, what one does is to benefit the whole. It is never about the one or self. Our attitude and behavior is more important than the gifts. Because there is a lot we have to put up with in the body. The love of God expressed consistently facilitates fellowship or koinonia. We cannot fake it. You cannot fake fellowship. You cannot fake the love of God. When we genuinely love one another, we have true fellowship. And this love is the expression of the mind of Christ, which we must have. Because the Bible says, we have to have the mind of Christ. And the expression of the love of God is the mind of Christ. And we have to have that, that same mind. So to, that was basically a summary of what we talked about last week. So today we will start on part 6 in the series of Prepare Yourself. And part 6 is, the topic for that is bearing fruit or bear fruit. So I know we're going to have two, at least two parts of this. So I'm going to start today with like a foundation, but a lot of what I'm going to talk about today kind of ties back to some of the teachings of through this series of Prepare Yourself. And you will hear it, and, and fellowship is, is a big part of it, of bearing fruit, but as you see as we read the scriptures today, as we go through it, um, you will see what, what I'm talking about. So let us start in the book of John chapter 15. Verses 1 through 10. That is the main scripture I'm going to use today. The book of John. John 15 verses 1 through 10. And let me know when you're there please. Okay. In verse chapter 15 verse 1. Jesus says. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words Abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also love, have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. That's a lot. But it's significant and it is powerful. It is very powerful. So Jesus, is, we're going to go back to verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. You notice he didn't say, I am the vine. I am the true vine. So if he says true, that means there's something that's not true. He said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Now I need to define what a vine dresser is. He said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Let me tell you what a vine dresser does. A vine dresser is defined as a person who cultivates and prunes grapevines to help ensure the vineyard has a successful crop. That cultivation includes training the vine and the branches. Pruning is one of the preeminent tasks of a vine dresser and is essential for the removal of dead, diseased, or stunted fruits and branches to make room for new growth, ultimately leading to a healthy and productive vine. Pruning is not done haphazardly, but strategic and with a purpose, keeping the integrity of the vines. There is a specific time and way to prune and to train. There is a specific time to prune and to train. So understand, the father is the vine dresser. The father is the one who is doing the pruning. They're doing the cutting away. The Father is the one who is taking care of the vine and the branches. He, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. So who is doing the cutting and the pruning? The Father. Not the Son. The Father is doing it. Alright. He said, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes. That it may bear more fruit. So the father is the one who is cutting away branches that are unfruitful. They have some branches in like pear trees or apple. They call them sucker shoots. They are attached. They are taking nutrients from the vine. They are growing but they don't bear fruit. The job of the, of the, the vine dresser or the pruner for the, for, could it be apple or, or fruit trees or pear trees or even um, peach trees. In this case, we're talking about vineyard. The job of the vine dresser is to cut away those branches. Because those, all they do is take nutrients from the vine, but they do not produce any fruit. So the job of the vine dresser is to cut away those, those things, because they are unproductive. Okay? The whole purpose of the vine dresser is to make sure, as I read, that there is a productive crop. That there is, a, there is a crop that the vine produces uh, as much fruit as it can. So anything that's not contributing to the production of fruit, the vine just, just's job is to cut those things away. 
anything that dead, anything that not productive, anything that is diseased, even fruit that's diseased, the vine dresser will cut those things away. All right. So in verse three, he says, he cuts away anything that does not bear fruit, and he and the, the vines that bear fruit, he prunes them back. Why? So that they will bear more fruit. I'm not going to go too much into detail right now, but maybe next week. Because sometimes we are doing everything. You know, that everything we know. We're walking in the Word. We're walking in forgiveness. We're walking and doing the things of God. But you wonder why you always have something else to go through. Why we always have another trial. Because the vine dresser is cutting away so that you can bear more fruit. There is something in us that he's trying to bring out. So he will cut away so that whatever it is in us that's causing us from not bearing fruit in a certain area of our lives, he's cutting away so that that part can be exposed. So that, that can, when it's done away with, we will bear fruit in that area of our lives. So if you're stubborn, you're hard-headed, or you're selfish, or you're greedy... Guess what? He's going to cut away so that that's those things that are holding you back from bearing the fruit that you're supposed to bear, those things will come forth. And those things that are holding you back will be cut away. So that's just an example. Verse 3, he said, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's speaking to his disciples. He said, You are already clean. And what that clean, that clean, that clean cleanliness he's talking about? The word sanctifies them. And how do we get sanctified? We get sanctified when we get saved. Because it's the word of God that changes us. Change us. The word of God sanctifies us. Because to be productive in this vineyard, you have to be abiding or tapped into this vine. Verse 4. So he said, abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The branch, for the branch to be a productive, it has to abide in the vine. And that word abide, we'll talk, I'll define it in a, in a minute. But it's not just connected. It's abiding. Abiding is deeper. It's a deeper connection than just being connected to something. Because if you're really abiding, there will be fruit. Not like the sucker shoots. The sucker shoots are connected, but they're not bearing fruit. That means they're only connected. They're not abiding. Abiding is more than just being saved. Abiding is, being more, is more than just coming to church. Abiding is more than just doing works. Abiding is something deeper. Because in, in coming to church and doing works, is no guarantee that the fruit that's coming forth is the fruit that is supposed to come forth from this vine. Oh my God. He said, I am the true vine. So that means you have other vines that you can have fruit. But that fruit is not the same fruit as this true vine. So Jesus says clearly, He is the true vine. There is no other, no other vine matters. He said, I am the true vine. Like He says, I am the good shepherd. He said, anyone that come before me is a thief and a robber. I am the good shepherd. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You understand? Because he's saying that if you have a sheepfold, there are other shepherds. But he said, I am the good shepherd. This shepherd, me, I am the one that matters. That's what Jesus is saying. And my sheep hear my voice. Because they, they talk in the Bible about 
in the last days, there will be false false teachers. There will be false prophets, false shepherds. How many people we have heard over past histories pretending to be Jesus, claiming to be Jesus? Jim Jones, remember him? And others who are claiming to be the Son of God, who are claiming to be the Messiah. And people follow them. They are not the good shepherd. They are not the true vine. They are the fake vine. They are the false vine. And people who are plugged into them, who are abiding in them, are not bearing the godly fruit. They are bearing a different type of fruit. So let me define what abide means. The definition of abide, the Greek word is meno. Meno, which means to stay, to dwell, to remain. That's what abide means. To stay, to dwell, to remain. And in verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. So what is he saying there? He said the abiding, the abiding has to mean that you have to stay. Now, abiding is a choice. But God gave us what? Choice. He gave us choice. So you have to choose to abide. The abiding is a choice. He said, abide in me. Let me go to verse 5. He said, I am the, the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So to be able to, pre- pre- to, pre- for, to, be able to do anything of eternal value... To be able to bear the fruit, the godly kind of fruit, you have to abide in the vine. You have to abide in Him. Because the only way we can abide in Him, because the only way we can get the sustenance to produce the type of fruit that needs to be produced, we have to abide in Him. He said here in verse 6, If anyone, if it's a condition, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And he said, verse 7, which is conditional. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. If it's a condition, if you abide. So abiding, as I said, is a choice. And my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. So, why... Why must, so he said that we are required to bear fruit. And in verse 7, as I said, it's a condition. His words must abide in us. And when we ask for, according to his word, he said it shall be done for us. So why, why, must, why must he do what we ask? He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you want and it will be done for you. So that means, he has to do what we ask. Correct? Why must he do what we ask? Why must he do it? He says why? In verse 8. He said, it shall be done for you. He said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. When you abide in, when we abide in him, in the vine, in Jesus, in Christ. And he abides in us. When we ask according to His will, it will be done. Because the, when we ask, the fruit of what we ask is manifested. Remember He said, it, remember the word the Lord gave me, it is time to live the reality of the promises of God. The reality of the promises of God 
is when what you ask for, what you believe, manifests in the natural. You, there is evidence of what you have asked for being true. Because what you ask for is you're asking for things that are spiritual things which manifest in the natural. So when it manifests, the reality of what you're seeing is evidence that you are abiding in Him. Because when you ask, it's done. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you ask, it's done. So the manifestation of what you ask, when it manifests in the natural, it's evidence that He's abiding in us. Because Jesus said, when He went to raise Lazarus from the dead, He said, Father, I pray for their benefit. Because I know you always hear me. But I pray so that they will know that you hear me. So what I ask for, what I ask for will be manifested. So when he said, Lazarus come forth, Lazarus came out. So that, when, that was evidence that he is abiding in the Father, and the Father in him, and that the Father hears him. The evidence of what we, what we claim, what we say, manifests and shows that we are abiding in Christ and he in us. Do you understand that? Alright. So in this, who gets glory? The Father gets glory. The Father gets glory because what we ask for, you know, the things that we can do on our own, God the husband, He doesn't have anything, He doesn't have to bother with that. It's when we ask for the things that in the natural we don't have the power to do. That's when God steps in. But who can get the glory? Only God can get the glory because in the natural we can't do it. We cannot do it. How can we take glory for something we don't have the power to do? So when you ask for something that seems impossible and it manifests and it happens, when you get that job where you're not qualified for on paper, but they call you in and offer you the job and God gives you the grace to do that job, who gets the glory? God gets the glory because it's not you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or when you're trying to get an apartment. And you don't know, you know, you're trying to get an apartment. I need an apartment or I need a house, Lord. But I can't afford it. The rent's too high. The price of the house is too high. And for some reason, you get get a, a raise out of nowhere. Your salary increases. You don't know how you, how it happened, but it happened. Or they dropped the price of the house. Right within your budget. And for some reason, everyone else applied for a mortgage, but you are the one. It fell through for them, but you are the one who got approved. And you are the one who was the only one who qualified to get that house. How does that happen? His glory is not you. It's the Lord who makes the impossible possible. So he gets the glory. So he says, when, when you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for what you want and it shall be done. But that is contingent that you ask him according to his will. And you're not asking for it because you're selfish. There's a whole, there's, a more, there's more just to just asking. So the Father is, gets glorified. So he clearly says, it's a condition. Abiding is a condition. Why, so he, why must he do, why must he do what we ask? He must do what we ask so that the Father gets glorified. So that there's evidence that Jesus Christ is real. That's what he said in John 17 when Jesus was preaching. Say, Father, the glory you have given me, I have given them, that they will be one. 
so that the world will see, know that you sent me. How will the world know? By the evidence of what it comes out of the body of Christ. The evidence of what happens in our lives. The world knows through our testimony, through our lifestyle, through what happens through our lives, that Jesus Christ is real. That's how the Father gets glorified. But that is going to happen because Jesus said it's going to happen in the last days. His creation is waiting, groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That is going to happen. I don't care how it looks in the natural. I don't care what's happening. What the word of God says, what Jesus said about his coming is coming to pass. And it's going to happen. It is going to happen. I don't care what the world leaders are doing. I don't care what they think. It is going to happen. Just as God said it's going to happen. It is going to happen. We, that's why the series, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Because in the last days, we as a body, we have to bear fruit. Before we are taken out of this world, we have to make known the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers and rulers and the angelic beings. The wisdom of God has to be made manifest. It has to be revealed. It's going to be revealed through the church, through the body of Christ. So the Father expressed His love. And this is verse, verse, uh, verse 9 here. Let's go to verse 9. As the Father loved me, this is Jesus saying, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. And I abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Jesus is telling us, what it takes to abide in verse 9 and 10. He's telling us, play, he's telling them what it takes to abide. Oh my God. What did he say? The, he said here, As the Father loved me, I have loved you and abide in my love. Abide in my love. How did the Father love him? How did he love them? The Father loved him. Let me just read here. The Father expressed His love by doing what the Son asked. The Son only did what the Father required. And the Father did what the Son desired. Do you understand? That is how the Father loved the Son. Because the Son always did what, the fa- what pleased the Father. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my word. Love is not an emotion. Our love... How much we love God is how much we are willing to obey what He asks us to do. Whether in the Word or by the Spirit of God. Love is not an emotion. My daughter shows me how much she loves me by how how well she obeys me. How well she does what I ask her to do. Now what I... but, But you have to be careful. You don't ask... The Lord will never ask the Son... To do anything for selfish reasons. Never. The father never asked the son to do anything for selfish reasons. Why? Because that's not the heart of the father. The father is forgiving and merciful. And he puts the needs of others before the needs of his own son. Because man would deserve to be, to be done away with. Man deserved death. But he sent his son so that man can be redeemed. Anyone who chooses to come to the Son can be reconciled to the Father. So the Father always did what the, the Son always did what the Father required. That's why the Father loved the Son. The Son was willing to come and lay down His life. 
There's a prayer Jesus prayed in the garden, which the Father didn't answer. Because it wasn't in line with the Father's will. He said, Father, if this cup, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But he said, Father, not my will, but your will. And what happened? He was willing, he put aside that, and he said, Father, not my, it's not what I want, it's what you want. That's why the Father always loved him. Because even though he asked for the cup to be removed, he was willing to do what the Father required. Even though he had a choice to either do the Father's will or not do it. That is how he expressed his love to the Father. He was willing to do what the Father required of him. No matter how he felt. It's the same way. He said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Because I only relate to you what the Father gave me to relate to you. I taught you. Only what the Father told me to teach you. He said the Father has given me all. Given you all to me. But not one is lost except the son of perdition. Which is Judas Iscariot. He said I have kept you. Because the Father has given you to me. He's talking about the disciples. So I have loved you. Just as the Father has loved me. I have loved you. Because I have given you. I have told you what the Father has, come, has given me to, to make known to you. And he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This is how the abiding is. The abiding happens when you obey him. All who are in Christ have the ability to bear fruit. Because he said in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. We cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, which is Christ. And abiding is critical to bearing fruit. In verse 9 and 10, I also just covered where Jesus states what it takes to abide in him. He always kept and spoke the Father's word and did what the Father required. You know what? Turn to John 14. Let's just turn there. Verses 21 to 23. John 14 verses 21 to 23. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. It's not he who has a nice emotional feeling about me. It is he who has my commandment and keeps them. It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Ascariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. What does that abode mean? Abode means they'll come and what? Stay. Dwell. Abide. That is what that abode means. It means abiding. So, what do you call abiding when you have a family living in a house? They're, they're abiding. Why? Because they're staying there. They're remaining there. That's where their, 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 that's where their, their um, ground zero is. That's where the anchor is. The anchor is at the home. Wherever that home is. Visitors, they come and they go. They don't abide. Do you understand that? There's a difference. So what do you have? You have people who come and go. They don't abide. They come and they go. The abiders are the ones who stay and remain and, have, and learn 
koinonia, have koinonia with, with each other. Who put up with stuff. Who try to work things out. They're the ones who are abiding. It's like a marriage. They abide. What did the divorce is what? They choose not to abide anymore. They, they separate. They don't stay anymore. That's divorce. Abiding is those who stay and work it out. To the good and the bad. Whether happy or sad. That's abiding because you stay. You remain. You work it out. That's abiding. And Jesus says, if you love me in verse 23. In verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. Why would the father love him? Because you love the son. And the son is only doing what the father tells him and shows him what to do. So if you love the son, you love the father. Then the father loves you. And will come to him and make our home with him. So that is a guarantee. They will come and abide. They will come and make their home. They will come and stay with that person. That's the abiding. It's exclusive to those who are abiding in the true vine. Those who are remaining, who are staying. It's not just, it's not just like I believe in Jesus. It's more than that. It's more than that. Those who stay, choose to stay, remain in fellowship, koinonia, with the Son. Oh my God. I, I talked about that already. But if it's a, the relationship, you choose to stay. God has given us a choice. That's the difference between man and everything else God has created. He gave man a choice. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, they had a choice. Even though they were naive, he still gave them a choice. And they made the wrong choice. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And why is that? So the fruit that is produced by the branches abiding in the vine can only be produced through this vine. Did you guys get that? The fruit that is produced by the, by the branches abiding in the true vine can only be produced through this vine. There is no other vine where this fruit, this godly fruit can be produced out of. It has to be this true vine which is Christ. Outside of Christ... Any fruit outside of Christ is not, is not the right kind of fruit. They are imitators. They are, people try to duplicate it. They have all these other things going on. But the true vine, the true, the, 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 the one that's authentic is Christ. He said, I am the good shepherd. Anyone who came before me is a thief and a robber. And anyone who doesn't come through the, 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 the narrow gate, they also you got to watch out for. They're not, they're not authentic. Right? So this fruit, as I say, is exclusive to this vine. So if you want, this fruit we're talking about, bearing fruit, and the times that we are living in, the times that are coming upon us, not only <clears throat> are we to be grounded, but we also have to bear fruit. Because in John 17, Jesus said, this is what's going to happen. We have to bear fruit. To reveal to the world and principalities the wisdom of God. And that is going to happen. But that's only going to happen if we abide in Him.